We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the IrishBreakdown.com podcast. I am Vince D'Addario, and I am the football analyst here at IrishBreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is our publisher, the Grand Poobah. Uh, that's Brian Driscoll. And, uh, you know, we're here to talk about the latest victory for Notre Dame, a 31-17 win over North Carolina that uh, I'm sure had Irish fans on the edge of their seats uh, for the first few possessions. Uh, but then things got calmed down, back mm-hmm. to back to normal, I guess you could say, or if, if we can even use that word uh, this year. But uh, I, it's funny. I was taking a lot of texts. I don't know how you were. I was taking a lot of texts from people, freaking out about the defense, the first couple of possessions. And I, my, I was sending everybody the same one-word response, patience. Yeah. Be patient. Yeah. Things are going to be just fine. And they ended up being that way. Yeah, this was a this was a big win uh, for Notre Dame Vince because this to me, barring some monumental upset, and, and the one thing you and I have talked about is is through all my criticisms of criticisms of Brian Kelly in recent seasons, the one criticism I have not had is they don't lose games they're not supposed to lose. Yeah. Uh, now you, you could talk Michigan last year, but again, that was a ranked team on the road, so that was I'm not talking about that kind of game. I'm talking about they don't lose to Tulsa, they don't lose to Pitt, they don't lose to Northwestern anymore. You know, and, and really since 2017, every team they've lost to was a ranked opponent. And and now that you've beaten North Carolina and done so by two touchdowns, I mean, in really convincing fashion. When you look at and we'll dive into how the defense played, but 
you're now you, you Syracuse and Wake Forest, and that's assuming they even play Wake Forest with all the the drama and, and COVID issues that Wake Forest is having. I could see that game not going on. So this was a huge win for Notre Dame. It was a resume builder, uh, and I think they needed not that they need they needed to win, right? So I think ten and one Notre Dame is in the playoff. That's just my opinion based on everything going on. But I agree. It was nice to get a convincing two touchdown win. In a game where, yes, Notre Dame scored late, but anyone that watched that game, watched the second half, and not only did – and this will kind of segue into the defense in a minute, but not only did North Carolina not score in the second half, mm-hmm. they never threatened to score no. in the second half. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> no. like Notre Dame stopped them on fourth down a couple times in the red zone and missed a field goal. I mean, they never threatened to score. And, and uh, it was a complete – after the first two series, a complete, complete domination. And, and I wasn't as concerned after the first two series as some other people uh, that were hitting me up on chat. I put my phone away, but, you know, my chat is still connected to my phone, which I didn't think that through as well as I probably should have. Uh, <laughs> so I was still getting that. I wasn't as concerned, but, but, you know, I just – I knew they'd make adjustments. But it was a really convincing, impressive victory. Uh, and, and I predicted – a two touchdown win uh they got a two touchdown win which tells me that as a team they played the way that they're supposed to play and handled some business the way they needed to uh and, and did so with with heavy heart so it was a was a very impressive victory for Notre Dame and really was that last regular season hurdle uh between them and Clemson is there any more uh anything big picture you can really take out of this game as opposed to I mean we, we'll dive into the offense and the defense more specifically but I mean just overall you know uh, obviously if they lost this game we'd be having a different conversation but they won it is there more big picture implications at this point with what they have left on their schedule no I just I just think that what this game showed was this is a very mature team and a very poised team And, and they didn't get rattled by the start that North Carolina had you know they didn't get rattled by uh, you know, just some background of a young man, part of the Plants family. One of the brothers, the, the Plants brothers, was killed in a car accident. It was very close with a lot of players in the team. That happened, I believe, the night before the game. Uh, and so that was a, a, a really tough – so, I mean, they're traveling down there. They've got all this on their minds. Um, and still went out and played with with intensity and, and the same fire that they had. It wasn't as, as – as crisp of a performance, I don't think that had anything to do with with what happened off the field. But uh, it was an it was a physical performance. It was a mature performance, and it was one of those things where they, you know, it's like North Carolina is that under you know that uh, that that boxer that just d- knows he doesn't have a chance, so he's just going to come out swinging and try sure. to land that knockout blow early. And Notre Dame weathered it and jabbed back and kept the game tight. And then and then the champs, you know, basically the the better team played like the better team and and that's the level of consistency that we've seen from Notre Dame this year uh that um that really is different than than what we've seen in the past you know mm-hmm. we've seen Notre Dame have a lot of we saw them have some sloppy offensive wins early but even when they were having those sloppy offensive wins the thing that you and I would always talk about is man but they still played hard they just had some stuff to clean up well there's still a lot to clean up especially on offense but that intensity, that focus, that physicality has been a week-by-week-by-week by week by week thing. Even the games they didn't play well. North Florida State, they did not play well against Florida State. Mm-mm. But it was not a lack of physicality. It was not a lack of intensity or passion. Same thing against Louisville. Uh, and, and that's what you need. And, and when you do that, when you can play with that same level of intensity week after week, and it's a high level. It's not like the calm sure. business-like thing that we've seen in the past. It's a high level of intensity and focus. You're still going to beat the teams you're supposed to beat because – 
because you're the more talented team. And when you have that kind of maturity and consistency, you're, you're going to be a really hard team to beat for a, a program like North Carolina that's still ascending, is still learning how to win. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, Notre Dame was going to have to, to, to not handle the environment well for North Carolina to win the game. Notre Dame handled it well. They handled the spotlight well, and that was that was something that was going to be a given. I mean, this is a team that's played in a lot of big games in the sure. last few years, uh, so I wasn't surprised by that. But it was just a an impressive game, and really just um, a, a tremendous bounce back performance by the defense, which I don't I don't think people truly understand just how good the Notre Dame defense played on Saturday or Friday. Well, Brian, that was a a beautiful segue on your part because uh, we're going to talk about the defense now. Are you looking for a pay raise or something, Vince? Because like, you're throwing a lot of compliments my way in this show, buddy. I mean, if the shoe fits, okay? So, I mean, I know Christmas is around the corner. Don't worry. You know, we're going to get you a little Christmas bonus. Don't worry about it, buddy. Don't need to throw more uh, prep platitudes my way. That's right. Uh, but the defense, I mean, again, people were worried about the defense after the first two series, missed tackles and things of that nature. Personally, uh, you know, we talked about the fact going into this game that the bye week would be very important to the defense because they just needed to rest. They looked tired, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I also think the bye week, uh, coming off of a bye week, can make you a little bit loose when it comes to tackling and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So I attribute some of those missed tackles to uh, coming off the bye week, right? I think that's part of it. I, that's I think part that, of it for me. I, anyway. I think the other part of it is North Carolina has some really athletic players. Sure, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and, and, it, and, and like you said – at this time of the season, Vince, you're not doing as much tackling in practice. Yeah. Half your team's, you know, exactly. banged up. I mean, that's just the nature of November football. Yeah. Uh, you don't hit as much. And so I think with the fact that you, you're playing a really, really talented offense. Again, mm-hmm. I don't think fans appreciate how good North Carolina is on offense. And that doesn't change just because Notre Dame shut them down. Right. This is a really talented offensive football team. And for Notre Dame to do what they did was impressive. And that's honestly that right there, Vince, is why I was not concerned uh, overly concerned about the start. I mean, I, I knew that North Carolina was going to hit a big play early. I, I, you just knew that there were, it was going to take some time to catch up to the tempo, to the speed, to the playmaking ability of what they do. Uh, the fact that the, the issues were tackling was like, well, you know they're going to clean this up. There wasn't like some big schematic issue other than I thought sure. they left the corners on an island a little bit too much early, but that mm-hmm. got corrected. Um, you know, but the pass rush was getting there. You know, the, the, the one play on the, the long pass play, I mean, they literally had Kurt Heinish in a bear hug to keep him from getting to the quarterback. And they didn't call it. Didn't yeah. call it, you know. So they did call it later when D- Dalen Hayes played. So I just – it was like, okay, they're, they're playing hard. They're playing fast. They don't look like they're guessing. They're not, they're not overwhelmed by this. They just – they had some mistakes that you, mm-hmm. you just – you don't see this team repeat those over and over again. So I felt like the first time they got a stop, they they would be okay and and I think the big key for me obviously was the offense answered and we'll get to this in a little bit but the offense answered so they didn't ha- that that helped eliminate the need to press on defense yeah. but no, you could tell from the first series that the defensive line was going to have a big day even though North Carolina and, and let's not forget too Ian Book took a bad sack on that first drive and and North Carolina got the ball at midfield mm-hmm. I mean it, they had a short field their first oh, yeah. touchdown you know so. Um, you know, I, I just felt like if they can just get a stop here, they're, they're going to be okay. Uh, but, but the big thing for me was just early on, you just saw Ogan, and Hayes were just smashing their tackles, run game and pass game. I thought the D tackles were the only concerning part for me the first couple of series, and I thought they 
settled in and you started to see them get going um, after about the third, fourth series. And, and then, um, and then once they made a change at buck linebacker, that's what really was the final straw for the defense. And then of course there were some brilliant adjustments by Clark Lee uh, using his linebackers to attack things like that. There, there the in-game coaching in, in this to me was just, was just masterful. On the defensive side. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very clear. Definitely on the defensive okay. side. Okay. Well, I wanted, I wanted to say, okay, so we talked about the tackling and how people were worried about that. My worry came uh, when Kyle Hamilton got kicked out of the game. Yes. And, and, and we, can, we can talk another time about the rule and, and or, how you and I both don't agree Or people can just read the article I wrote about it at irishbreakdown.com. There you go. Um, <laughs> nice plug that was good thank you, thank you um no but my thought was I, I had worry at that point because at that point the, the defense wasn't playing great right mm -hmm. uh and now you're taking the current leading tackler who already has six tackles um out of the game and he's the quarterback I mean he's the best player on the defense I mean let's let's call it what it is uh, depending on how you look at Jeremiah Wusukormo, uh, I, I get He's it. the most physically talented player in the defense. How about that? Okay, fine. That's fine. But you're taking a huge cog out of that defensive it's definitely your best How's secondary player. It's yes. definitely your best. I mean, yes. Look, before the game, Vince, I talked about your stars need to be stars, and he's one of the players you talk about. Absolutely. He's a and star. now he's on the sideline. Correct. So I was worried at that point, but I will say – that the the guys that they they inserted yeah. after a little bit of issue up at the very beginning and that's to be expected they really settled in Houston and Griffith well. and DJ Brown had the the same problem their first two series that the entire defense had exactly. their first couple series it's exactly which right. is getting caught up to the speed of what and when I mean speed it's not just the speed of Deami Brown and Daz Newsom and Michael Carter and Javon it's the speed of their offense as happen. a whole yeah yeah it's it's they do so much crossing routes and switch routes and right. and RPOs and it's just like yes. your eye discipline has to be tremendous because you have to read your keys because the thing that's so hard about reading an RPO is in a play-action pass, a really smart safety is going to know it's a play-action pass because he's reading the lineman. He knows he can tell the difference between a play-action pass drop and a run play. RPOs are literally the offensive linemen are blocking for a run. They think it's a run. The quarterback and the receivers are really the only ones that are going to know that it's not a run. Sure. Um, and so it just it takes such discipline. And so to see Houston Griffith, DJ Brown played solid football. Houston Griffith came in and I thought played really well mm -hmm. um, after his first series was just big because it's not like North Carolina didn't try to go at him. You, right. you know, it, it, they, they, they certainly did. But the other thing too, Vince, is what has protected this secondary all year because it's a good secondary. It's not a great secondary outside of Kyle Hamilton. Agreed. There's two things that have protected this secondary. Number one is Sean Crawford's intelligence leadership and communication ability as he's gotten more comfortable at safety has helped them to eliminate mistakes they're not making as many mistakes as they were early in the season as a secondary and I think Crawford's calming influence combined with Hamilton just being a tremendous playmaker uh, is a big part of that and the other part of it is again the defensive line Sam Howell was never comfortable in this game even even the big pass he heard early he kind of flinched up at the end it's just Tariq Bracey got beaten and he's playing with zero confidence right now which is disappointing because they're going to need to need him to get back on track here as they get into the postseason uh but when your defensive line can dominate like that Vince and and dominate and here's the thing and I, I asked Brian Kelly about it in the press conference today and, and and per usual he didn't he didn't really answer my question that I asked but you know it it is what it is 
what what's so impressive about what this team can do is I, I you and I have you and I we've been around the game a long time and, and no matter how good of a rushing team I've had and some of the teams I've had on is a good opponent could stop our run game if they wanted to. Sure. If they wanted to commit enough resources to it, they could stop it. So I knew Notre Dame could potentially stop North Carolina's rushing attack, which averaged the same number of yards through their first eight games as Notre Dame's rushing attack averaged their first eight games and averaged almost a half a yard more per carry. So they have two running backs on pace for a thousand yards, you know, both averaging seven over seven yards per rush. Uh, you know, so I knew they could stop it if they committed enough resources to do it, but could they do it and slow down the pass game? And not only did they stop the running attack, not only, not only slow it down, but dominated it. I mean, I wrote in an article, Vince, before the game that, you know, you just need to hold them to under 175 yards rushing and under four and a half yards per carry. And I thought that would be a really good performance because that's been sort of that trend line for North Carolina. When they're below those numbers, their offense struggles. They held them to under 100. And even if you add sacks, they held them to 107, you know, uh, or you'll take away sacks. I mean, that's dominance. But then while doing that, they also didn't allow North Carolina to do much in the throwing game. If you consider they only threw for, what was it, like 211 yards? Yeah, yep. And 50, what, 51 of them came on one play on the first, yeah. what, first or second drive of the game? Second Good point. I mean, that is sheer dominance to be able to, to take an offense. Let, let me put some numbers into context for you folks. North Carolina coming into this game in the previous four games was averaging, over, was averaging 51 points per game. That included the game they lost. In their last four games, they were averaging over 600 yards per game, over 600 against Power 5 opponents, including a game they lost. Notre Dame held them to 17 points and 298 yards on a dry, normal weather day. Right. Yeah, good point. Like, and, and, and dominated them. They were averaging over 300 passing yards per game. Look, they were on the season, they were averaging 43.1 points per game, 563 yards per game, 7.7 yards per play. Uh, they were averaging 233.5 rushing yards per play, 5.6 yards per carry, 329.9 passing yards per game, 10.6 yards per attempt, uh, 15.5 yards per completion. And against Notre Dame, they they didn't cut, they didn't sniff that seventeen no, points, close. two hundred and ninety eight yards of offense, five point two yards per play, uh, eighty seven rushing yards, two point nine yards per carry. And Notre Dame didn't have. I mean, Notre Dame had a lot of you know had six sacks, but those sacks only lost twenty one yards. They didn't have like a lot of right. you know, six catch. You know, true. Uh, pass game two hundred eleven yards, seven point eight yards per attempt, twelve point four yards per completion. Uh, you know, this is an offense that was very good on third down. You know, this was an offense that would just could move the chains as well as anybody. 22nd in the country in, in third down percentage of 48.9%. Notre Dame held them to two for 11, right. which is just over 18%. I mean, Vince, that is a level of dominance at home, at their home, at their own stadium that um, is just really hard to, to really fully appreciate how dominant that was uh, and it and it really they gave up 125 yards and 14 points in the first two series alone the next nine series was like 170 you know three yards I think a quick math on my head that is Vince I mean that is that is a level of dominance that I really I'm having a hard time grasping 
that they were able to do. Like Clemson, they shut Clemson down. They shut the Clemson run game down, but they gave up 400 and some right. yards passing. <clears throat> exactly. You know, and, and, yeah. I, and I said before the game, I thought this offense was actually better than the Clemson offense sure. because it's more balanced. You know, and, and we saw a Notre Dame team that was fresh, rested, and, and just dominant on, on defense. And I think, again, it's the same thing that we've been talking about all year, Vince. It's the front four. When your front four can dominate the way that this front four dominated, uh, it's going to make for a, um, a very, very difficult, very difficult day for anybody that Notre Dame goes against. And, and I thought we, after the first two series, they cleaned up a lot of that stuff that was hurting them right. before and stuff that hurt him against Clemson, the missed tackles and things like that. They cleaned up after that um, and, and played tremendous football. And, you know, like I said, you need your stars to play like stars. And Jeremiah Wusu was phenomenal. Kyle Hamilton was phenomenal until he got knocked out. Uh, and Dalen Hayes and Adio Gandiji were just brilliant. And Dalen Hayes continues his, his trend of just outstanding play on defense in the last four games. So is that, is that your biggest takeaway from this game? Is that how the – the level that the defense played. I mean, we knew the defense was good, right? Yeah. But the level they played also minus Kyle Hamilton for three quarters of the game. Is that your biggest takeaway from this yeah. game overall? Yeah, because like Vince, if you were to, if you and I were to talk, say, okay, what's the one position on defense that Notre Dame can't afford to have an injury? They just they can't okay. afford. I mean, corner, I think they're fine. They got talented young guys, um, you know, defensive line. I mean, they just throw three waves. I mean, Think about this. They did all that and didn't have Jacob Lacey or Jason Adamiola defensive tackle. Good point. You know, so, so, I mean, again, so what does Riley Mills do? Riley Mills steps in and plays like a, a champ. Howard Cross steps in and plays well. You know, they can just throw waves of defensive linemen to people. The one position that you say they can't afford to lose a guy is safety. Yeah. And they did. And Houston Griffith and, and DJ Brown, especially Houston Griffith, stepped in and played really well. Uh, really sound football discipline. You know, one small example, and again, what Notre Dame does, Vince, they don't make a lot of flashy plays. You, you know, they just dominate. You know, yeah. they just – you know, you think of the, the play where, where Adi Ogundiji is playing defensive tackle on third and five. They try to run. He bounces outside, and Ogundiji out t- chases their running back down to the point where the guy didn't even gain a yard. No, he was – You know, yeah. there was right a at the play. the scrimmage, yeah. Yeah, it was just unreal. He was playing defensive tackle on yeah. the play, like uh, – because it was a third down. There was a play Houston Griffith made where, again, it's not flashy, it's not sexy, but it's just so good to stopping this team. I think it was a second down and 10, I think is the down and distance. I'd have to go back and look. But they ran a play that they run a lot where they try to run vertical routes and then they release like either a, a running back or they'll have like a guy in motion and they'll kind of have him do like a little check or a swing. And they did that. And I've seen them get big yards on that play so many times because the safeties get so worried about the vertical routes. And Houston read it perfectly. He played it perfectly. He, you know, he tackled, but he chased from an inside-out perspective, so he didn't allow the cutback. He basically forced the guy to the sideline and rides him out of bounds. I think it was like a one-yard gain. You know, and it, it, like that may not seem like a play that impresses people, but when you've watched as much North Carolina film as I have and you've seen that play go for 30 yards, you right. know, whether it's A, the safeties are so worried about the deep ball that they, they don't get their flat responsibilities, or B, they can't tackle because those guys are so dynamic in space with the ball that you see those plays like, oh, like we saw it earlier in the game. You know, it was a third and 18. They ran a freaking screen on a third and 18 and picked it up because, you know, Jeremiah Wusu took a bad angle and then Sean Crawford missed a tackle. And, you know, and, and that's one mistake at the line of scrimmage and the receivers and running backs in North Carolina has are going to turn it into a third and 18 conversion. I mean, that's just how good they are. Uh, but that play from Houston was just – it was sound. And that's really what – 
what I love about this defense, Vince, is they don't need to make, you know, uh, six sacks for minus 50 yards or, or 15 tackles for loss. Or th- Did they even turn the ball over? Did, did North Carolina even turn it over? I don't think I they turned it, it was, over. In this it was game. a clean game as far as turnovers. Right. So, I mean, it, it wasn't even like you shut them down because they turned the ball yeah. over three times. I mean, they are just so disciplined <clears throat> and so athletic yeah. and, and just everybody doing their job. And, and that's what makes this defense, from a coaching standpoint, so fun to watch is because, you know, there isn't a Manti tail on this group. With all due respect to Jeremiah Wusu, Koromo, and Kyle Hamilton and those guys, those guys aren't having the insane 2012 season that Manti had where, where he was just, you know, picking off seven passes and, you know, doing all that. These linemen are good. None of them are Aaron Lynch or Stephon Tuitt, right? I mean, you know, it, it's, just, it's just such a great team defense. And, and when they're not making mistakes, this team is really hard to beat because they're talented mm-hmm. and they're athletic. And yep. that's the thing we've been talking about all year is and this really defense. Well coached. Yes. I don't think this defense has the God-given top-to-bottom talent of last year's defense, I would, I would argue, when, when last year's defense was healthy. I mean, you look at Julian Aguara, Khalid Kareem, Jalen Elliott, Aloe Gilman, Troy Pride, um, you know, uh, but – you know, I can't believe it. the Buck linebacker position hasn't been anywhere near as good as how Osmar Bilal was last year. And you yeah, had right. Jeremiah Wusu last year, and, and he made even more tackles for loss and sacks last year than he has on pace for this year. Sure. But this team is just so good. You know, like you said, they're coached extremely well, but there's a level of confidence that they have in the coaching staff that, hey, if I just do what coach taught me to do, we're going to be all right. But there's also a level of confidence from the coaches in the players that – hey, we can put this guy on an island because he's going to make a play. We can put this guy out here and, and ask him to shut this thing down because, because we know he can do it. So that trust goes both ways, and that's why this defense is playing at such a, a high level. And the other thing for me too, Vince, was the big concern I have is how is this offense, this defense, going to handle a really explosive, balanced offense like the one they may have to face against Ohio State or Alabama in the postseason? That's a concern of mine because we haven't seen them play that. We, we, we've seen them play some really good running teams like Louisville, but Louisville doesn't have North Carolina's passing game. They don't have Alabama's passing game. Alabama – or North Carolina is the closest thing that Notre Dame is going to face to Alabama or Ohio State on, in, in this year. From a balanced standpoint. Balanced standpoint, yeah. explosive athlete sure. standpoint. Yeah, right. Dynamic quarterback standpoint. Now, those teams have better offensive lines, but not by a ton. Yeah, you know, uh, and to see this team dominate that without having to – the question I asked Brian Kelly was, you know, yeah, you're good enough on defense. You can shut anybody's run game down. But can you do it while then also shutting the pass game down? That's the hard part. And for Notre Dame to be able to do that against a team like North Carolina, that was just putting up insane – I mean, Sam Howe was coming off of a game in which he threw for almost 600 yards and six touchdowns. And they still ran the ball a ton. Yeah, right. They, you know, I mean – that that's it's like that's the and they had a week to prepare for Notre Dame they had a bye week too so it just I just can't say enough about the job of of Clark Lee and Mike Elston and the and the Mike Mickens and in the defensive staff and then also the level of execution that they're getting from the players and then to to just there was no tell me if you saw the same thing Vince I saw no panic after the second touchdown None. I just they just jogged off the field like no big deal. Yeah. There was nobody yelling like there's nobody getting in each other's face. There's right. nobody like, you were supposed to have that guy. There was none of that. It was just like well, oh, okay, they did it. They just jogged off the field like well, we got you know, this. You know, it's funny that you you say that because you know growing up and every you know when I used to coach and when when I used to play, you know the big thing was 
hey, if we get them arguing with themselves, it's game over. And, right. and that's how you know the team you're playing isn't really all that good, right? right. Because when they start infighting, they're not fighting mm-hmm. you anymore. Right. So, and, and we didn't see that in this game. And I, and I think that, that that does speak to the maturity level of this team. And, I, and, I, and confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And they have – the defense has confidence in the offense as well yeah. and vice versa. And that's why I think why they, they sometimes take chances and things because yeah. they, they trust both sides of the ball. So let's talk offense. Um, I would argue, and I think a lot of people would argue, uh, you know, not necessarily that we were worried about the defense, but the offense kept Notre Dame in that game the first few possessions because yeah. they were matching North Carolina touchdown for touchdown. And, and they – allowed the defense to kind of come on a little bit slower but then of course dominate the rest of the game um but I, you know the offense played well enough you know they played well at the very beginning i think there was some ebbs and flows in there but give me your, your biggest takeaways from the offensive side well I, I have plenty of critiques that i'm gonna that i that i have for the offense but here's here's the thing is they did what they needed to do to win the game Sure. And, and and there it was really you break it into three parts, right, Ben? So it's the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? <laughs> uh, and the beginning, the middle was not good. No, it wasn't. You know, and there's a lot we'll talk about. But one of the things I said in my keys to the game was they had to start fast, and Man. that was one. And that meant one of two things. Number one is the defense is making stops, and you start fast, and you put some distance between you and North Carolina a team that remember the last time they played came back in this from being down 45 to 24 in the second half. Right. Right. To win a game and eventually took a two touchdown lead in that game. They were losing 45 to 24 in the second half. Right. And then the other part was if North Carolina starts well, which was my big fear is that North Carolina would get a couple scores early and the offense would have to match. And they did that. Uh, you know, they did, they, they, you know, Notre Dame went three and out on their first drive. It was not pretty. But they made the plays they needed to make on the next two drives. I mean, they 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 ran well enough, and Ian Book made enough plays, and and uh, you know, it, it was one of those things where if they don't match that, it's a different ball game. Yeah, no you know? question, no uh, question. You know, because it's almost like it can be deflating for a team like North Carolina to to start off so well against Notre Dame and, and score that easily, <laughs> and then look up like crap, it's tied. Like, yeah, you know what I mean, like. Uh, that they're they're just used to overwhelming people, and, and mm-hmm. Notre Dame wasn't going to fade for that. The middle, not good. But then at the end, you know, after allowing North Carolina chance after chance to to, to get back in that game, they did too. The offense said, "Okay, let's put this thing away," and, and they went back to the run game, which is part of my issue. They went back to the run game. They just leaned on North Carolina. Kyron Williams finally got a big hole, and he exploited it, and and they punched it in, and it was just kind of like you saw everything that you think you need to see from a championship team. Were they mm-hmm. perfect on offense? No. I had a lot of issues with the game plan. I, I had a lot of issues with the complete inability to adjust to, to, to North Carolina's stunting linebacker, something that you and I talked about before the game they were going to do because they've, mm-hmm. A, done it in the past. That's, that's who they are. And, B, they knew they couldn't just go toe-to-toe with Notre Dame. So they knew they were going to do That's what you have to do, yeah. Right. You and Notre Dame did nothing to match that, like nothing to counter that. Like I kept waiting for them to adjust and like run a tunnel screen or run an angle route or do something to, you know, to, 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 to beat that, and, and they didn't. They never adjusted to it. But at the same time, you still had enough talent. You know, Javon McKinley makes just two great plays. Yeah, yeah and he, he was. And then that's why I say he's one of those guys that he's always open. 
Like even when he's covered, he's always right. open. And and Especially Ian Books finally, yeah. yeah, and Ian Books finally figured that out, you know. And 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 so he's finally looking at Javon kind of like he looked at Chase Claypool in that last year. Not that I'm saying Javon's Chase Claypool, but like, right. hey, if you need a play, that's who you go to because just throw it up and give him a chance. And and that's what Ian Book did. And you know, it just you, you running backs. There wasn't a lot of room, but they ran hard. You know, they. But here's the thing that I loved about it: they didn't have a lot of big plays early, but they didn't have negatives. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't a lot of negatives because if all that was there was two yards, Kyron was going to get two yards. Tyree gave him a little spark early. Uh, but then you had a quarterback that was making plays. I mean, and that's the big thing is, you know, my criticisms of Ian Book in the past were, you know, he'll manage the offense and he'll do what you needed him to do, but he's not going to make a lot of game when he plays. And that's changed the last three games. And and there was a lot of things as a quarterback's coach I'd critique with him, Vince, and I, I'd be curious kind of your thoughts on this. I, I didn't think he was very poised in the pocket from a footwork standpoint. Agreed. Mentally, he was poised in the pocket, but footwork-wise, the pressures they were bringing right up the middle affected him a lot. Um, I thought his decision-making wasn't always the best. Uh, t- t- I thought he played too loose with the ball, not like fumble-wise, but just like he wasn't often ready to throw the ball when he needed to throw it. There, there's a lot of things I'd be in the film room correcting him on, but, man, he made a lot of plays too. You know what I mean? Like just the scramble that ends up being a touchdown pass to Kyron Williams. Like that's, huh. not, a, that's not a play Ian Book makes for <laughs> mo- most of his career. Yeah. But he's playing with such a high level of confidence, not just in himself, but in his teammates. Yeah, and that's the biggest part, I think, is the confidence in the team teammates Mm -hmm. you know because normally if he does get out of that like he has in the past he tucks it and he goes and he he tries to take that on his own and frankly that's what I thought he was going to do because he did have some green grass in front of him where Mm -hmm. he could have attempted to scramble uh, and do it on his own but he didn't do that he kept his eyes downfield and he found a wide open Kyron Williams who then took it into the end zone on a great play himself Um, but I think that's the difference is that he is looking for guys to help him as opposed to trying to do it all himself. You know, you, you look at the two flip plays that everybody's talking about, which number one, I think they're getting a little bit too much, you know, talk because, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but that's just kind of what we do right in the media is we grab sure. on a couple things that, you know, are great storylines and we, we turn them into something that they're not. But what those plays showed me beyond anything else, besides Ian book, just, Hey, I'm, I got to make plays. And he's got a playmaker mindset is, you don't make that play if you don't have supreme confidence that Ben Skoranek and Michael Mayer to make those exactly. plays. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I mean, you just don't. You just, hey, I'll just take the sack. Yep. I mean, so that tells me he's, he's done that a lot in the past, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that just tells right. me this is a guy that's not just confident in himself, but you, you know, if I'm confident in myself, but I, I have a receiver that has can't catch, I'm not throwing the ball over the middle of the field. I don't care how good I think I am. Uh, so, you know, I, that just tells me this is a kid that just has a great trust in his, in his teammates. And, and you need that. And that's how you can play as bad as they did for most of that game and still win. Sure. You no, know, because look, North Carolina, as good as they were on offense, they were just as bad on defense. You know, this is a team that came into this game giving up 30.8 points per game. Notre Dame scored 31. Yeah. You know, uh, it wasn't like Notre Dame went out and just had this performance that was just, you know, otherworldly compared to what North Carolina is used to doing. But they made game-winning plays. And, and look, Vince, here's the thing. You and I both know you're not always going to be on your game. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to look like you did against Boston College. You're not always going to look like you did against Clemson. Can you still win those games when you're not that way? Against Louisville, the offense could not make those plays. The, the off, they, they, they needed the defense to completely shut Louisville down. Yeah, exactly. uh, Against Duke, they struggled to make those plays. Against North Carolina, who's a better team than both of them significantly, 
the offense did make those plays. You, you know what I mean? Like, so, yes, it was sloppy, and there's a lot of things I would criticize and critique, and, and the, I thought the game plan was left a lot to be desired. But part of being a good coach, as I've said in the past, it's not just about your game plan and your play calling. It's how mentally and physically and emotionally ready do you have your football team to play? And that's where the, the coaching staff, in my opinion, gets high marks because this is a team that was mentally, physically, and emotionally ready to play. Uh, and so even though they weren't on their game, they were still able to make winning plays. And, again, we talked about the defense not getting rattled. You know who often gets rattled when an explosive offense on the other side of the field scores a lot early? Your own offense. Yeah, exactly. Because you put all this pressure on yourself, and, and right. we didn't see that. We yeah. didn't see that at all. No, I agree. And it's – you know, it, it's interesting to watch uh, because, again, we talked about the faith that both sides of the ball have to have in each other. And, and I do think that they have confidence in both sides of the ball uh, just in the way that they play. And, I, and it, right. it's hard to articulate, um, but you knew the defense wasn't worried because the offense kept scoring at the beginning. And then the offense wasn't necessarily worried because the defense, they knew that North Carolina wasn't going to score on this defense again. They had the mm -hmm. confidence that that was going to happen, and then they put it away at the end of the game uh it just feels like this team is coming together and working together at the mm -hmm. right time mm -hmm. um look we're not going to learn anything from the Syracuse game frankly uh no. in, in my opinion and I don't know that we're going to learn all that much from the Wake Forest game it, you know obviously it's an opportunity to get better uh but you're going to get better doing your things it's not mm -hmm. going to be getting better against the opponent right uh, even at Wake Forest game even happens at this point so uh Look, the, the next game on the schedule is the ACC championship, and, and that's when it gets really interesting. Uh, but from, from this game, you said it best. They proved that they can win a game when one side of the ball isn't playing up to their ability, and we can both agree that the offense didn't play up to their ability. Uh, so I'm going to be looking for them to, to, to yeah. take another step. You yeah, know, they need. They right. need to. This is a this is a Syracuse team that's not very good, but they're not terrible on defense. Sure. You know, they're not good on defense, but they're they're not terrible. I mean, the offense is going to have to play well. Uh, you, you know, but but again, Vince, you know, look, here's the deal. No, the offense didn't play well, and and I I'm trying. I'm holding a lot back because honestly, people, you know, when Notre Dame's winning, people don't want to hear criticism. They get really sensitive. You know, I, I get it. Uh, but. The, the point is, is no, the offense didn't play well. The, the, the game plan wasn't good. Um, there were a lot of mistakes by Ian Book that you'd look back and say, you know, that's a, that crossing route you need to hit there. But, but again, they, they didn't win in spite of the offense like they Correct. were early in the year. That's no, the difference. I agree. Early in the year, they were winning games in spite of the offense. Uh, they won in spite of the offense against Louisville. They won in spite of the offense against Duke. Uh, this was a game where you look at and say they won – because the offense along – I mean, the defense played great, but the offense needed to do what they needed to do because the offense – look, the defense played great for 60 minutes, like, and you put it as a whole, but you and I were talking about, you know, after the game is – but, man, those first couple series were concerning. If the sure. offense doesn't respond and answer with touchdowns, we don't know if the defense would have been able to play that way. Right. Because and I don't, now you're down 14 nothing or 14-3, yeah. to three, and now maybe start pressing. i got to force a strip. i got to make a play. And that's when you make mistakes. But because the offense answered the way that they did, that allowed Clark Lee to respond. And then the other thing to, to, to Vince is this, is the first touchdown drive that Notre Dame put together was, a, like I think, like a nine-play drive. Mm -hmm. took four and a half minutes off the clock. Those kind of drives are important, too, because – you need your, your defense needs time to talk sure. what happened. 
adjust, yeah. you know? And so I think those were important too. And then that, and that drive at the end of the game was like eight plays, 89 yards. Again, took four and a half minutes off the clock. Though, it's not just about answering, but it's answering in a way that – manner in which, yeah. Yeah. And, and so now the second touchdown drive was pretty quick strike. I think it was like three plays. You know, you had a, a big play to Javon McKinley, a long, a long run by Ian Book. Um, and the announcer kept calling it a scramble. It was like it was a quarterback. I know. It was a designed run. It's not a it, scramble. It was it's a quarterback a, power. I mean, good Lord. As far away from a scramble as possible. <laughs> yes. So that was a little annoying. But that was. You know, that, but, but that also showed that Notre Dame can score different ways. They can put long, methodical drives together, but they can also do the quick strike stuff. And that, to me, that second touchdown drive for me was the biggest thing because – Yes, it was against the defense that's not very good, but they weren't doing that in the beginning of the year against defenses that were not very good. Sure. They had to go on those, like, those kind of long, methodical drives. And, you know, and, and, and really some of the few times they had big plays, like the 75-yard gain against Duke, they didn't get points because they'll pick the next play. Uh, you know, so, so to see them be able to put those physical drives together and then mm-hmm. also the big play drives is really what we're seeing the last few games now. We saw it against Clemson. We're seeing it, we saw it against BC. We saw it against Pitt. We're seeing it against North Carolina where the offense has a much bigger margin for error now than mm-hmm. they did beginning of the year. You, you know yep. what I mean, Vince? Yep. Like before it's like if, you know, they had to be precise and third down had to be great and all this red zone had to be great because they, they weren't a team that could make big plays. Well, now that Javon McKinley has stepped up and I want to talk about him here real quick, Vince. And as we, as we wrap up, you know, his numbers aren't going to blow people away. You know, he's not going to, you know, probably not going to be a thousand yard receiver. He's got 30 catches for 549 yards, hasn't scored a touchdown yet. But the thing I love about Javon McKinley is he has been money this year when they needed him to be. You know, the North Carolina game, that was a night game, it's, or Florida State. I mean, it was a night game, Florida State. It was a big spotlight game. He goes five catches for 107 yards. Clemson game, big game, huge game, huge game, five catches for 93 yards. And they were tough catches for 93 yards. You know, uh, he was good against Boston College last, the last game. And then and against uh, North Carolina, six catches for 135 yards, both career highs. I mean, the two ranked teams you've played this year, Javon McKinley's had at least five catches in both and gone over 100 yards in both. You know, so, so that was one of my key t- – my things I wrote about in the key takeaways was this is a guy that when the lights have been the brightest this year has stepped up for Notre Dame. And he's and, kind and, of taken over that mantle of I'm the go-to yeah. guy. Well, and, and what was his knack or his knock last year, right? is that he has the big games against Bowling, Bowling Green. Green, New and, Mexico, right. Exactly. So he's completely flipped the script yeah. on what who Javon McKinley is right. on this team and in, in this offense. Yeah, and, and that's, why I, that's why I felt – that's why I gave him the player of the game after the game and also why I talked about him in the key takeaways because, you know, Ian Book gets a lot of the talk and Kyron Williams gets a lot of talk in the offensive line, all rightfully so. But Javon McKinley stepping up the last five, six games has been huge for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, and, and just making those big plays. And, and when they need a big play, they make it. And, and, and it, he hasn't lost his blocking at all. As he's become more involved yeah. in the pass game, it hasn't taken away from his run blocking at all. Uh, and, and he just – he doesn't get the love. But, man, Vince, he is playing really good football, really the last five games. And, and it's and – it, again, when you can do it when the lights are brightest. I mean, look, mm-hmm. that was like the only game in town when it was being yeah, played. I mean, that's true. everybody that's was true. watching it, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's a ranked team and this is your last stumbling block, potential stumbling block between you and the playoffs. So to see him step up the way he did and then Ian Book's confidence in him uh, is really important. And, and again, Avery Davis didn't do a whole lot. Ben Skoranek didn't do a whole lot. You know, 
but Javon stepped up. Michael Mayer made some plays. Kyron Williams made some plays in the past game. So that's the thing that makes this team so hard is there is no star on right. this offense. I mean, there's no Chase Claypool. It just isn't, right? With all, with all due respect, there's no Chase Claypool. But every week it's somebody different. It was Ben Skronik against BC. It was Avery Davis against Clemson. You know, but Javon's been pretty steady. Kyron's been pretty steady as a runner. Uh, but, you know, having all those different types of weapons in the pass game has, has, is good because it's like it makes if they you better, take Javon yeah. out, you, you, we'll be okay because, sure. you know, somebody else will make a play. And if, but if no, you don't absolutely. key on Javon, then he's just going to smoke you. And that's what you need from a go-to guy because North Carolina did not play to stop Javon McKinley, and he made him pay for it. Yep. And, and that was a big part of it. And so, so yeah, I think, you know, a, a lot to critique from the offense. I thought the offensive line um, – I thought Zeke Carroll handled himself well, with the exception of the two snaps. I thought he was handled himself well. Yeah, I completely disagree with Kirk Herbstreit's com- talks about oh, this is beating him in the. Uh, you're not going to pick. You're not going to step and pick up a guy on an a gap stunt when they're timing the snap up like that. Right. But they were able to get a body on him, and, and they were able to cut inside of it. Well, that's how blocking goes. I don't. You know, right. Maybe I don't know what he's talking about there. Um, I thought, but I thought other than a couple mistakes here and there, which you're going to get in your first start, I thought Zeke Carroll played well. I thought the tackles played well. Um, I thought Liam Eikenberg was brilliant. I thought Aaron Banks was really good. I thought Josh Lugg was probably the most inconsistent of the offensive linemen uh, in the game. But as a, as a unit, they, they played well. But in the second half, is you started to see them really lean on North Carolina, and that was good to see. And yeah. you say, okay, well, if this unit can then go into Syracuse, you feel like they're going to take another step. And, and, and a lot of the linemen were really close with the Plantses. So I think it, of all the position groups, that really impacted them. And to see them still go out and play hard and play focused when, when I know, I mean, I've talked to enough people since the game and before the game to know that that was a, that was hard for them to, to have that happen right before the game and to see them still go out and play the way they did just shows a, a level of maturity and, and mental fortitude that is really what you need to be a, a great line. And Notre Dame needs a great line to be a, a, a good championship level offense. And, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's absolutely right. So overall Vince, I, just, there's a lot of technical things we could we could critique, and, and I will critique, and when I have my grades out later. But I love the heart of this team. I love the manner in which the coaches prepare them emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, to just be at a steady level of dominance week after week. So even when they're sloppy, they're playing well, uh, and it allowed them to go out and get a win when they were not at their best. Right. And but they played. That's the mark great. of a good team. Yeah. What was it? I wrote an article during a bye week that Notre Dame needs complimentary football the rest of the way. And on Saturday, they played complimentary football. The offense did not play well on the whole, but they played well when they needed to. When the defense was struggling early, the offense stepped up. Then the offense starts struggling and can't put points on the board. The defense dominates. Offense needs to put it away at the end. They make it happen. That's complimentary football, and you got to be that way to to win a championship, ACC championship and a national championship. And to me, big picture events, that was the biggest takeaway from this game. There is they go. when one unit was struggling, the other picked them up, and you need that, and we haven't always seen that in the past. So that to me is one of the things that separates this football team from some of the other really good football teams that Notre Dame has had. Well, there you have it. So Notre Dame puts uh, puts a period on the thirty-one to seventeen win over North Carolina, puts them at nine and zero. We are now officially into Syracuse week, so we will have. Uh, we will have a podcast previewing them uh, coming out in the next day or two. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Also check out irishbreakdown.com. There's some really interesting articles out there uh, that I want you guys to take a look at. There's one about Clark Lee 
and what Notre Dame needs to do to keep him in the fold. There's Pay one that there. man his money. Yeah, that's right. There, there's one out there about um, the targeting the, rule. The targeting rule. Uh, make sure you check that one out. There's a lot of really good stuff out there. I published one today where I said after the game, I'm going to end it with this. After the game, Brian Kelly went on this tirade about an article about one, Ian yeah. Book. And at first I was annoyed by it, but then I started thinking like, he's going full Dabo on us. Yeah. And I explained what I mean by that, how he's basically channeling his inner Dabo Sweeney Sweeney, and, uh, and why that's good for Notre Dame. So it was a compliment. And and so it didn't start out that way in the article. It didn't because at first, because that's not how I felt at first. I was trying to be very honest about how I felt when he said that. I was like, that was unnecessary. It was just like, dude, you just beat North Carolina on the road. Like, and why are you being that petty? It was so clear that, that was his plan. Was he to was work looking that in to talk about oh, that article. No was, doubt, it wasn't about like it was brought up. He he, no. he inserted it into the conversation, and, and it became a talking point for every talking yes, head out there. Yes, for the yes. next three and days, it was intentional, and that's what Dabo does. He's creating enemies for his team to focus on, and that yep. is a good thing. That's yes. what Nick Saban does. That's what Urban Meyer has done. That's what Dabo Sweeney does, and that's something I've criticized Brian Kelly for not doing in the past. Sure, and it's just another sign that this team is different. And the head coach is different, and that's what gives me optimism about this team moving forward. So that'll that, that that's it. So check that out at IrishBreakdown.com. Uh, and Vince, thank you so much for um, for being on the show with me today, buddy. Yeah, you bet. And uh, make sure you check out uh, the rest of our podcasts and the ones that are upcoming over on Soundwise. And uh, we're excited about where everything's headed. So thank you, thank you, thank you for logging into IrishBreakdown.com. We had the best month ever. Bye. Far. I had to put that out there. So By make sure you keep visiting. Far. Yeah, make sure you keep visiting. And uh, this, is a, this is a group deal. We wouldn't be anywhere without uh, you guys. So please make sure you keep logging in, keep listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.